Greetings everyone. This is Material Analysis, the podcast. Yet another podcast on Indian politics, but this one claims to be free of prejudice and is going to be solely based on facts and logic. Today's panel has three people, Pramod, the heretic, Jasmine, the tanky, and Chandu, that is me, the bridge builder. So let me start off by saying in today's episode, we are basically going to be trashing the concept of balance. For what it's worth, I think Gary Balance was an extremely talented batsman who never lived up to his expectations. But we are not here to talk about Gary Balance exactly. We are actually here to talk about balance in politics. I mean, you know, this idea of balance, you know, like Barthadar. Like she says that she's being trashed by the left and she's also being trashed by the right, so she must be right. Yeah, that's what, what people call the fallacy of balance. So essentially, we are going to talk and trash that concept. That's and also, also, this has become oh, like yeah, a great to our audiences, This is Comrade Chondu. Oh. Chondu is basically a Bengali way of saying Chandu, the normal right way of now. saying it. Yeah, and this is Jasmine who is like a token female representation on this panel of three. So we, we randomly found a woman and we asked her to <laughs> sit on our Turns out she was really brilliant and they were like, what? Yeah, so, uh, so. Uh, okay. Well, my issue with balance is like a really basic take on it is that it's become like this easy way to look cool, especially among younger people who are not very politically savvy like uh, today uh, uh, i was reading some social media post made by an old classmate which was like i know some of you are going to be making very authoritative statements about who you should be voting for all of you are stupid all the parties are bad and those of you making political requests just because these are elections are also bad so edgy and- yeah, and it's a very privileged person thing to do because uh, to you, it is not like a question of life or death or even of livelihoods or incomes or comfort or anything at all if uh, this government comes or the next one comes. So you think they're all the same because uh, it really doesn't affect you as much. And if you're in that position, you should really think a lot about what you do with your privilege. And uh, like Comrade Chandu said, one of the things people say is how all political parties are the same and people love saying that about women's issues they i mean as a token woman i of course have to speak about the women's issues so uh, people say well no party is uh, friendly to women and now there's a national women's party being launched which uh, you know in its logo has something about mothers so isn't a women's party yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, in the logo, they say uh, mother's party or something like that. I mean, it's great. It's, you know, whatever. So, uh, so people are saying, well, no party has a perfect stance on women, women and has done so many things against women in its history and so on. But uh, the important thing to realize is uh, for women, it matters a lot, uh, the difference between the parties, even if they are minor to you. So if tomorrow a party just like decides to outlaw abortion or something, the women is going to affect is, you know, it's probably not you. You can afford to like go out of the country and do it or something. But a lot of women can't. And you have to really take these things seriously, the small points of difference. Also, you have to think about what things are fundamental to a party. And this is not just about women's issues, every issue, right? You have to think, okay, if one party member did a thing, or someone said something, or a stance changed, are those stances fundamental to the philosophy of the party? So, for example, we know that the BJP is based on this very uh, idea of a Hindu supremacist uh, country that they want. And in that, there is no way that women are given a status of dignity and equality. And you might say every other party is the same and all, but that thinking and that aim is not fundamental to other parties in the way that it is fundamental to the BJP. And the do, thing, do you remember Jasmine in 2014? There were so many uh, of our friends who were 
going around saying ah they they'll do development they are the same as everybody why don't you give them a chance what do you think what was prompting these people to think like that and i mean there... of course there was like you know real anger against the upa government to you know justified in some ways not in others but sure let's not dismiss that anger because it had a basis but uh, to think that development that is good for everyone can come from a party that uh, is essentially sectarian and essentially like wants a hindu rashtra is uh, idiocy of the highest order i don't know what else to call it i mean i had friends in mumbai who were uh, north indians and who hated the shiv sena i loved to hate it right being like oh my god you guys are so bigoted and i'm so fancy and uh, then they went ahead and voted for shiv sena in maharashtra because they were in alliance with bjp and they wanted modi at the center and they were like yeah well you know it's not going to be that bad so it's just it was i don't know what else to call it but stupidity by the way did you to just hear that voice from the wagon yeah what was that? yeah he said i'm so fancy so i sang that song i'm so fancy Uh, so obviously, uh, Comrade Pramod can sing uh, as you have. He's a world famous. Uh, uh, he he's part of these edgy underground left wing bands. Yeah, and so okay, part of a K-pop group. Yeah, our audience is right now. I'm not sure. I want to do a podcast. Yes, I mean you are clearly not up to date with the online subcultures of politics in India. I'm not an extremely online person. I hate subcultures. <laughs> well, yeah. So, yeah, we. By any chance, did you guys actually see that video and uh, that Instagram video of this NRI girl who like lives in Switzerland and she was like, you know. Uh, Bangalore really sucks because people don't speak Hindi, and you know. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and that, the the thing is that I'm going to vote for Modi, but you know, you should all vote for Modi. But here's the thing: I'm not actually going to come and stay here. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> oh, NRI politics is amazing, right? But yeah. you know, the one good thing about NRI politics is that it uh, doesn't care about balance. It's not neutral at all. Oh, 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 no, 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 no. Let's wait. No, no wait not, there. Wait no, there. Wait there. Wait there, Comrade Jaswin. We have to speak about our most fair and balanced NRI political commentator, Mr. Dhruv Rathi. He's NRI. He's Indian. He really NRI. He's balanced. Oh. He's a non-resident Indian. He's been living in Germany for I don't know how many years. What would you call him? Eh? So, Dhruv. Are uh, the greatest centrist on this planet. I mean, like, yeah, he, I mean, he the balance fallacy. He is like, so, <laughs> so balanced that, uh, like, if someday something happens to Dhruva, a scream would go around in the galaxy that the balance of the galaxy has been disturbed. That universal. <laughs> Like the one who brings balance to the force, he is basically Anakin Skywalker slash Darth Vader. And this guy, yeah, he does criticize the BJP. He's popular because of that. But then he shits on immigrants, and not immigrants like himself, but those dirty immigrants, you know, the Muslims and over there. Illegal immigrants from Europe. Take out all immigrants from India. You know, the dirty those people basically. And then this guy has these. Really, uh, you know, anti-reservation takes because you know those people are coming in, and only reason he's popular is because he shits on the BJP. And like, when you criticize him on these things, it just makes him more powerful because you know he just considers that to be like you know, I, I'm hated by the left, I'm hated by the right. So, so clearly, I, I am at a higher plane of. Uh... You know, enlightenment that no one has seen. Everything oh, yeah. is problematic, guys. Oh, oh, but, don't you hate but, the word problematic? Because if you don't, like, I am going to leave this podcast. No, no, no. Not you are a token woman. You can't leave the podcast. All the rad liberal, oh, yeah. radical liberals will be after us with. I'm trapped here, and... but um, yeah. so while I'm here, let me tell you why the word problematic is so problematic. The problem with it is that it means nothing. Everything is problematic. Nothing in the world is perfect, and hence it's like this very nice placeholder for this sort of thing. Problematic opinion. Yeah, your face is problematic. 
and fine okay criticize everything but then like there is no substance to that right like you have to make a choice eventually you can't just be like okay everything sucks and now we are all going to go to sleep but like, but but people uh, like bhuvrathi people who are like this uh, and you know we have to make a sort of a distinct, yeah but uh, they they don't even use the vocabulary yeah, that kind that, of vocabulary that's what i was going yeah for sure so, yeah, there are centrists like bhuvrathi and then there are sasta dhruvaratis or discount price dhruvaratis like meghnath and they... <laughs> oh meghnath comrade yes. mean meghnath oh my yeah. god so they, they, they have to make a distinction between discount. like the higher level uh, powerful centrists who matter and like their shitty stupid uh, hot takey versions who are extremely online and actually don't have any clout and it's the latter which which go down this problematic route because all they can it do is he doesn't actually there's a discount version of meghnath as well from the south okay we would like to hear like a guy called krish ashok that oh. is the guy that's the guy isn't he like diaspora guys guys before you digress the point i was making the distinction i was trying to make is that there are centrists who have a sort of a positive aggressive centrism where they have or they think they have a separate world view uh, which is which they claim to be is equally anti fascist and anti leftist and then there is a sort of a negative centrism of your meghnath and of your uh, this person krish ashok you mentioned in a sense what they do and i mean i get that they have, their concerns are extremely valid by the way to me most of the concerns are extremely valid however what they do is they start disengaging with politics as a whole like they say that okay this is problematic that is problematic like i've seen it within my own social circles right uh, yeah i mean the best example of this was like you know sabri mala when here's one side that is saying all the right things is saying yes women should be allowed into temples and yes stop being bigots and the other side is like no 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 we want to be bigots how dare you not let us and they're like well but even this side is problematic because uh, they got 5 million women out on the roads but uh, the women were just used you know as props and they had no agency it's so convenient for them to say this it's just it maddens me yeah i never i i actually didn't follow sabarimala that well but i uh, so i can't really comment on it but the thing was like within my own social circles right back where i come from um there are these people who for instance they're very very concerned with the rise of the right wing in west bengal right they're also very concerned about the fact and uh, that you know the trinamool congress is uh, kind of uh, it it really does uh, have a syndicate raj so as to speak and it i mean it runs a syndicate raj it does persecute its political opponents and then so what's your other option you have the cpim now the thing is the cpim in west bengal or recently i mean the last time they were in power they also had this legacy of persecuting the political opposition more importantly being very very hypocritical about the stances on uh, peasant rights and workers rights etc when they actually i mean like everyone knows what happened in shingur and nundigram right so what they've done is they said that this is problematic that is problematic this is this, this part is problematic this part is problematic all the parties are problematic and what they've essentially gone and said is you know this entire thing is messed up beyond belief and we are not going to engage with this at all beyond just making critiques and where do these critiques start and end most of these critiques start and end by writing a facebook post or a twitter post right right, right. And yeah and that that was i was trying to say that you i was trying to differentiate that kind of sort of centrism with the dhruvrathi kind of because dhruvrathi doesn't do that dhruvrathi doesn't say or people like him doesn't don't say that don't engage with politics they claim they have a different kind of politics a third way which is neither left nor right so the so we have talked about discount price dhruvrathi let us talk of like mega dhruvrathi who is the mega dhruvrathi in the world emmanuel What? macron well, what are you going to say bernie sanders yes bernie sanders <laughs> <laughs> no i am 
Yeah, no, I was no, saying that what were you saying? When I was in college, there was this thing that uh, this, there was this guy. Oh, yeah, that was 2014, by the way. So we were all discussing about whom to vote for. So he said, you can't vote for the BJP because they're Hindutva fascist. You can't vote for the CPIM because they're Stalinist fascist. You can't vote for what the Congress. What are Stalinist because... fascists? Okay, I know you have issues with that, but I'm just saying what he said. Yeah. Okay, that's what he said. Okay. And then <laughs> you can't vote for the uh, Congress because they're neoliberal fascist. Oh, what? Neoliberal fascist? Everybody okay, doesn't mean anything. This is of what he said. I'm just telling you what he said. And he said you can't <laughs> vote for the no, you can't vote for the TMC because they're fascist fascists. <laughs> fascist fascists. So, the centrist pundits are the worst because you know they're always like conservative economically, and then they just have this oh my god, everyone sucks. Uh, some of them have this. Oh, every party in India is socialist. Like, uh, what I, is, they don't know what the word socialism means. That's a huge problem with yeah, the Indian political discourse. Like, everyone wants to do some level of public spending, so every party in India is socialist. If public spending was socialism, then, I mean, everybody I mean, like, from Henry VIII to... The most socialist <laughs> organization ever. But... Uh, you know, there are these are the think tank types, which uh, whether you like it or not, whether you want to believe it or not, they have influence in like thought and shaping people's thoughts. And these are the people who will also say, well, let's do some sort of data-based politics. And, uh, oh. <laughs> oh my yeah. God, that's but, like can like, of worms. Your sort of populist centrists who are not like these expert wallas also do that. Like, this oh, data yeah. thing is a yeah. common, like it's a common because trope among all centers. You know, you need data to say like, don't beat women or don't be a classist. Facts, like, and, logic, data, yes, that facts and logic. That's facts and logic. That's just facts and logic. I mean, otherwise it's not a given at all. Not a given at all. Like genos, no genocide needs facts and logic. Yeah. That's why our podcast is so analytical and our name is Material Analysis because we are also going to be doing facts and logics. We we are not your, you know, we are not the regressive left. No, yeah. no, no, we are the progressive. We are not, you know. So, progressive, facts-based, data and generalism-based. We do like these fantastic skeeta modeling that will knock your yeah. socks off. And um, the visualizations we have, you guys. Super, another thing of this uh, data thing, it's used very cruelly, you know. So I, uh, so there was this person, another think tank person from whatever, who made this whole thing, and a very famous economist who wrote this article about how the farmers' march was stupid and no one is doing any data analysis out of it around it, because uh, according to NCRB data, no farmers have killed themselves ever in the last few years. So and. Of course, if you go and check NCRB data, you see that they haven't been reporting farmer suicides at all for the last few years. And it's a very like one step check to do and it's very easy. It's very easy to also convince people that, oh, look, uh, you know, all these people are just ideological and we are the true uh, evidence based people who have no ideology and we are just looking at the numbers and saying these incredibly cruel things where you do not need to look at numbers to understand that farmers are suffering and dying and killing themselves and agriculture is not a remunerative profession anymore for the vast majority of people. Like, even if you wanted to look at the numbers, if you dig hard enough, you can find them. But uh, it cloaks all your prejudice and it cloaks all your sort of... Uh... One of the very praised uh, newspapers these days uh, is a sort of hotbed of these kind of posts. You would have heard of this wonderful newspaper. It's called First Post. So, oh, it's brilliant. First Post, like, uh, the print, I mean, the print wants to like top all of these charts. Yeah, it's like First Post is like, we are not fascists. We are not, we are not, you know, we are not Swarajya or whatever. We, we And, and you, you know, First Post will also go that oh, we are not even like print because print is like trying to do this monkey balancing while we have the facts and logic. Yeah. So, uh, first post had had this large post which went into how the BJP government was evil because why? 
because they can't do efficient policing and then the entire piece sort of conflated every single mass movement in the subcontinent as law and order problem padmavati law and order problem kashmir stone pelting law and order problem bhima koregao law and order problem kisan march law and order problem all oh collections of yeah. people in large groups in the public law and order problem why why did the government handle the law and order this problem this is basically what when they are asking for the imposition of 144 effectively everywhere yes everything is a law and order problem bjp is bad because it let law and order problem the colonial 144 uh, <laughs> section 144 of the ipc <laughs> but no yeah, yeah, what, yeah, I'm yeah. Yeah. what i'm basically saying is that this ecosystem has a particular influence in a uh, uh, particular upper middle class middle class uh, anglophone audience right and right. The, the people who yeah. are hearing our podcast from like पॉप्युलिजम creating a sort of alienation where you think that okay you are the people that are armed with facts and logic you are guided by reason and these are people who are basically guided by emotion right yeah these are people yeah. who know what for them expert politics which is like yeah it's a very in a room and decide how people can live very yeah. neoliberal way of thinking about politics and it creates this fundamental alienation that okay these people you know they're lesser beings these people can be treated as though they are in a group that they are not an organic and it's mass. it's fundamentally wrong it's wrong because all yeah. politics depends on extracting like if you boil down what is politics politics is the extraction of wealth from the masses whether it be slave society whether it be feudalism whether it be mercantilism or whether it be capitalism either that or fighting against that yeah. right yeah. but when you convert it into a management problem what yeah, you are doing is you are ignoring this optimizing problem yeah, right? like you are ignoring this fundamental conflict of politics you are yeah. ignoring the fact it's the masses which run everything and all sovereignty descends from the mass i'm re- reminded of this monty python joke where uh, this person this uh, this peasant shouts at arthur that uh, that that scene right in the holy grail you're repressing me i'm being repressed i'm being repressed help help i'm being repressed so yes. <laughs> so yes you can't have power if it is not endorsed by the masses in some sort either through the divine right of kings or through a popular mandate or through socialist leadership like without the masses you are nothing you and you know what they teach in like uh, yeah you know what they teach in a lot of public policy schools nowadays is that well politics is just uh, bringing together different opinions and achieving the most optimal outcome out of them in that uh, that very utilitarian liberal idea of like the greatest happiness of the greatest number with some sort of like protection of human rights and all of that and that's nonsense that is not true at all because firstly it puts all views and interests on the same pedestal and so like my desire to have like an eighth rolls royce is the same as someone's desire to have like to not die of uh, malaria or something and all of that just needs to be brought together by technocrats in with beautiful models models means mathematical models okay and this is a microaggression yes, yes, but anyway the thing mm-hmm. is that uh, what has happened is that you are having these people who are treating these as very very abstract notions right yeah. you are having these as sort of like uh, you are not actually thinking about the people while you are doing you are not actually having like which is why i tend to admire someone like jean dres who actually goes into these places who actually talks to these people whom is whom is writing about or is basing his models or his empirical research on you know a lot of these experts are not really experts Oh yeah, for uh, what sure. What I what I mean is that, like, uh, okay, I'm not going to dox myself for this podcast, but um, so there is a certain technological field I come from. I'm a technologist, and 
a lot of people who make the sort of government policy on technology and who work for all these think tanks and all they are not technologists they are lawyers they are lawyers who have studied a few books on technology and suddenly they know everything about digital rights and all sorts of stuff and they frame the debates it's not just the content of the debate it's what needs to be debated on is something they get to decide Absolutely. and some of the question is also a problem with you know economics because whereas yes everything is about economics to a large extent the economists who actually do the sort of work uh, they do saying this don't know anything about anything they know one framework they know how to make a demand graph and a supply graph you know how to put it together and they think they can solve everything because you can do oh I, oh my god i can do agriculture now i can do gender i can do fucking space travel because why not everything is economics and i have a model and i can put it everywhere but that's not how it works right you need to know basic facts if you're doing agriculture and you don't know anything about international agricultural monopolies like there is no way you can say anything see i actually work in this field and this is really not my sub is i don't know many development economists who actually work like this no that's the thing right development economists don't work like this but uh, the think tank crop they teach these basic things like people follow incentives like no shit bro we all knew that right? but that's not the point here we all know and but you don't know anything about how markets are structured or how like ownership works or nothing no no idea about macroeconomics even but like we understand this one idea and we will work on it and make policies for everything in, ever in fact in general uh, developing country macroeconomics is not as well understood i mean like macroeconomics as a subject is not very well understood to begin with but for developing economies it's like even less well understood than it is for developed economies for to some extent no one is actually going to deny that the 90s liberalization thing has had an effect on growth etc but this has also been very very sectorial certain sectors have uh, done better certain sectors have done worse and certain sectors have been affected in different ways certain and the point are... is like the wealth that was generated has not been uh, has not gone to the people who have actually generated that wealth like the inequality also... doesn't just matter because it is inequality like people have this misconception that oh well if everything is growing and everyone's income is growing what does it matter if there's inequality but mm-hmm. it matters because it skews a certain way and yeah. uh, one of the easiest ways to argue is from a certain perspective is that if you have growing inequality in a sense you're also concentrating power in certain hands right exactly like it's self reinforcing yeah what is happening is that these people yeah everyone is getting richer but certain people are getting richer faster than others and the people who are not growing richer at that rate and who are at the bottom of the pile then essentially the bargaining power has decreased they can't bargain exactly. with them exactly it affects your demographic effect on outside is control on the way, on the means of governance not just the means of production but the means of distribution communication yes, means of means of repression as well and yeah. this is something by the way on an aside this is an error centrists keep making about the left a lot that centrists think that leftists are about inequality about addressing inequality not really leftists yeah. are commodity who owns what they are not really about inequality but inequality does change commodity like commodity production is affected by inequality and and then it affects all other branches of power so and the whole argument that leftists make is that the current system is actually not as efficient as it could be because it puts petters on its own production in fact okay. if in fact if you go back to the first few years of the post uh, post civil war ussr one actual critique would be that it was too much focusing on production like to the point and that it had realized it then flat like yes like the like the problem of uh, stalin era ussr if you if you are going to be really objective is not that like it has a lot of critique there was a lot of things wrong one thing you can't actually critique is the production it was producing quite fine in fact one of and the critique of that great was, depression like it, 
I mean, like, I don't even like talking about the concept of efficiency when I'm talking about the concept of social or just economic system, right? There might be inefficiencies. To me, this is a secondary concern that there might be inefficiencies in a just economic order. We know for a fact, for instance, that if the labor market is a perfectly competitive market, then, uh, for instance, uh, putting a minimum wage is actually bad for yeah uh, but uh, there is also but the fact it's that really not it's generally not there is yeah, also no, no. probably a monopsony market but though there is probably a monopsony market and there have been studies that have corroborated the idea that uh, this actually minimum wages don't correspond to unemployment but you know, you know that inefficiency if at all is nothing compared to the inefficiency that capitalism requires to survive the, the, no, uh, let's so, talk a bit about media like seriously like if you are going to be talking about balance you have to talk about media does the media need to be balanced first of all does it even no, need to be balanced why should it be balanced absolutely not the problem is actually not with the media not being balanced at all problem is essentially that the media pretends to be balanced balance and is not i being partisan i yeah. i don't it's not possible to have an unbiased media i don't think at at any stage of um, politics is it possible to have a media that is completely unbiased you have your political priors you are obviously coming in from a certain position like today ornob goshami definitely is coming in from a right wing perspective now ornob goshami is one person who does not even claim to be unbiased he is very very strongly partisan he expressly says that he's partisan and you work from there but for instance there are people like barkhadar barkhadar for instance uh, kind of says that i am unbi- i'm trying to be unbiased here so one of the critiques that a lot of liberals and leftists get liberals leftists and everyone else who's actually not on the right they get from the right wing is that you know you claim to be balanced now the thing is most of us actually don't most of us are yeah like partisan yeah. But now, you know all this uh, bias and actual like pretension of non-bias is not coming out of nowhere. One of the factors that leads to the bias is the concentration in media ownership that we have right now, and that, of that course, like no, certain interests, certain interests will be represented if those interests own the media enterprise. Now, okay. So one question is, one question is, what are the media sources in India that were giving you an alternative picture at that point of time? It was actually this online media, basically the Wire, Scroll, etc., who are basically Asia Times. Well, Asia Times is not headed in India; it's in Singapore. But Shweikot, the doctor, works for Asia Times. He was giving the alternative version of this. But all, but for instance, uh, the Wire and the and Scroll, they both have issues with the Indian government. I mean, like. especially with the ruling party going up their asses the wire in particular i mean like the wire was uh, sued by jay jay shah right for yeah. def- was it jay shah right, or right, was right. it it was sued it was sued by by one of them now the thing is that these uh, uh, media groups are being sued etc who are active and these for instance the wire and school don't pretend to be unbiased either yes they have this contrarian hot take writers like girish shahane who writes yeah i mean for the record i would like to say i don't think the wire is an excellent news source or anything like no i don't think so either yeah, yeah. for the record i think they, the wire is terrible but yeah. like yes a lot of the right fingers would like the wire, you know wire continues to scandalize me every day with one of the hot takes and there was this point where i actually I mean, like Siddharth Bhattarajan was one of worthy of being parodied, but at yeah. the same, but at the same time, what I think, Mane, is important here is to recognize the fact that any media house that is trying to give you an alternative picture of what happened, a version that is not in line. Now, I will also say this: Crawl, Wire, Newsplit, etc. They do give space for even, for instance, this one issue where there is almost unanimous. opinion within the conventional media and that is kashmir and pakistan right that there is a unanimity of opinion on this that ultimately that uh, you know we are not going to be discussing any perspective that comes from the kashmiris alone right we are going to talk about it as an uh, from the perspective of the indian state now these agency i mean wires scroll news click they have from time to time given these voices or i mean they've also given space for these voices who have been critical of the indian state and to the point they've actually argued for a referendum they've argued for demilitarization etc 
which no mainstream publication or mainstream uh, media house is willing to give even the, the and what is important to recognize is that these other sources these mainstream media sources many of them do claim to be unbiased when they're working with a very strict political bias they do have backers who are very very influential in the sense that they are financial backers who control their content there's also at a certain stage which i feel that even if scroll wire newsweek were to get that big at some point of time even they would be subjected to certain kinds of censorship by the state itself right yeah, yeah. india does very very poorly i know that's a libertarian index but nonetheless india does very very poorly on the press freedom index boo speaking of media neutrality okay there's actually one interesting group because this is in uh, regional media and many maybe i mean like of course that group also is my a very large group in uh, maharashtra yeah, yeah because you have abp maja i think right maja yeah yeah, yeah abp maja now what maza. the what the anandavaja group has done to abp anandavaja which is by the way the most watched news channel by far in west bengal is that they essentially created space for the bjp after 2016 like before 2016 the bjp was a running joke in west bengal politics yeah you yeah. couldn't mm-hmm. see them anywhere and in fact if you actually look at uh, the 2016 elections they law lo- they actually lost a much of the vote share from 2014 they were reduced to around 10% of the vote i think less than that and they got two seats in the entire vidhan sabha election right and this is a party that is literally a joke I mean, it should be from 2016. The next elections that we have is 2019, and then we'll again have one in 2021, which is our state elections. But 2019, this party should not even be part of your conversation. It's two two seats. Two seats. I can tell you some other parties that won two seats: the Gorkha Janmukti Morcha, the RSP, and some other smaller parties. Now, you are not giving them the same space or attention. Now, what has happened since 2016 is the ABP group was actually. Uh, boosting this uh, cpm congress alliance that did not work out for them it was a massive disaster and uh, the tmc won with the lance ever yeah. since then, they've actually been promoting the bjp as the alternative to the point where they first take the view of the ruling party the tmc and then they basically go and ask dilip ghosh who's basically the state president of the bjp in west bengal and what has happened is in their panels in the debates etc the bjp gets the same seat that the congress and the left does and what has happened is that the abp group has essentially projected the bjp as the alternative to the trinamool congress they've actually come out with this prediction now uh, i mean like i don't know how they did this opinion poll they've actually made it look like the bjp will win eight seats in west bengal including certain frankly which is frankly so bad that i mean it it wouldn't be inappropriate for us to speculate that they are you know essentially sold out like come on no no, no, no that's not even speculation i mean but i do think that uh, marathi regional media is better than hindi media or as it sounds like bengali media because they aren't as uh, firstly as dramatic and secondly as like sold out yeah interestingly if you look at why do people even watch abp anand is because they have actually projected themselves as a neutral media house they have not uh, when the cpm was in power they were anti cpm when the trinamool was in power they became anti trinamool they have basically gone and proven themselves as okay you know what we are not for any we are not partisan in that sense i mean obviously yeah. if you read between the lines you will see that they were extremely yeah. partisan ways they used to be extremely pro congress once and now that their ownership has shifted from obik sarkar to some other members of the family they become pro bjp but that's something that most people won't see right like you're opening prime time news at 8 pm and you don't really care you just see what's going on in front of your screen Yeah. What is happening? This guy, the guy who actually moderates this debate, is a guy called Shumon. Uh, Shumon basically, uh, uh, you know, does this very neutral thing. You know, I'll let you speak. I'll let you speak. I'll let you speak. He's not like Orno Goshami who shuts people down. So he plays this very neutral act, and everyone has this impression that okay, ABP is fair media. Okay, not Anand Bajaj Potrika, the newspaper which people know as a complete rag, but people. Yeah, this was the same in Delhi. 
remember 2015 remember every single hindi news channel was projecting bjp to have a yeah of course you know <laughs> but, uh, but you 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 ranted about bengal for a while so i'll give a similar example for delhi that um, all of these extremely fair and balanced news channels who are claiming that you know no no, no they are not republic and they are not ztv they are they are facts and logic based and they have all their analysis and there are all of their analysis agreed that the bjp would win the 2015 delhi state elections the debate was by how much and aap would probably end as a party and aap kept saying that they are going to win they they, they didn't give a number but they said that they would get more than 50% and that and they were laughed at frankly the middle class people of delhi were laughing at aap that how could all of the news channels be wrong and you as a party or internal uh, polls or whatever you have done be right like obviously you guys are making this up and remember there is this consensus this is among all news organizations in india that the first target is always whatever third candidate it is after bjp and congress like the third one is always the spoiler the third one shouldn't exist because yeah. there is sort of yeah. the natural order of things and the natural <laughs> order of things is that politics is a sports between congress and bjp and you get to choose one team and cheer for it anybody who doesn't agree with that is evil like not not just stupid but evil they are they are somebody's yeah, big team they are somebody's spoiler etc and i am i don't support up but it, it was frankly infuriating that time watching how the media was treating them uh, and up won 6723 and the sort of culpability of the media at that time was not well discussed that here are these almost 10 fairly popular hindi news channels who have been going on and on and on for months how they have done so many exit polls and there was the you know they you have all the like nowadays it's all very number driven you have these websites where you they keep showing you what the exit polls are showing and then there is the poll of polls and all sorts of metrics and shit like that yeah. and <laughs> it was always you know bjp had and then bjp got reduced to three seats and congress disappeared which was a ridiculously unbelievable result compared to what what the reality these channels are portraying and yeah. nobody challenged them on it like the way aam aadmi operates is that it's heavily reductionist so if you ask an aam aadmi party person they would say oh sare bike hue they are also right but what really perhaps happens is that even if they are not sold they are all sold to a reality a sort of a common uh, consensus a narrative and you don't need to pay them money for them to be doing those stupid things you they like they might and, even um, one of the ways in which they draw these false equivalences and fair and balanced nonsense is that they say that being political or being in a political party is bad so i just happened to up also like when the party itself was formed they like oh yes. my god why are you making this movement political as if it never was and uh, i mean of course uh, again with the farmers march this whole thing this wasn't just news organizations right it was ordinary people not ordinary people but whatever normal propaganda was pretty propaganda was pretty directed and people fell for it and they were like no and also what? the privileged people being like well okay it's a march and farmers are suffering and we sympathize but why is it so political why are they holding red flags why is cpim involved like yes of course cpim is involved with the party and its march hey, organizations that caused hey, like the march out Ardhasai actually making that. I remember Rajiv Ardhasai on Twitter being extremely like bullish about you know it was just a farmers march. Like why are political parties being involved in this and you know why? Yeah, are, and so in the their heads, the role of a political party really is not to organize people at all. It is just to be represent some interests that come out of nowhere. And if people like, they can support you. Right, and and this is absolutely stupid. Like. Yeah, this is not how parties should behave. This is not how parties do behave. This thing, I, I mean, like I've seen this from Calcutta itself. I mean, like there was, yes, at a point of time, until say 2006, being openly partisan was considered fine. Once you suddenly see this illusion of the left kind of, you know, the left being the left go away, and you know, coming back to the original point that uh, Jasmine was making, 
that you know this entire thing about problematic everything uh, problematic and then you know it kind of influencing certain decisions in a certain way this is kind of what started happening that uh, around yeah, 2011, around 2011 2012 suddenly people were like you know all of this is bullshit and if you are aligning yourself at a part uh, at a uh, with a party and it actually i remember this becoming even a thing during college elections across calcutta that people would basically say don't vote for the sfi or don't vote for this uh, isa or this party that party because if you are uh, essentially voting for these parties that means that you are basically a slave you know your mind <laughs> you somehow your brain has been eaten by and some and this is not to zombie. dismiss like parties have problems like no shit all huge organizations have problems but without being a part of that organization and without like being partisan like i will go and vote for nota we are bashing balance we may as well bash nota it's a politically like it is a meaningless move it's it doesn't have any electoral consequence like, so, i remember the nota thing came up after the nazar is that entire yeah, yeah. so the thing is i mean like if you had a nota that was supposed to work it should have been a binding nota that said that you i mean like all the parties would have to do was just place new candidates forward and that yes. again comes a very candidate centric exactly. politics yeah yes it becomes a very candidate centric politics and this kind of thing you know okay you don't like this candidate you don't like this candidate okay let's get some fresh candidates now you again vote but if they think that by pressing nota they are doing something they are yeah. stupid of course exactly like, exactly, no. exactly. Yeah. and that is that is that is exactly the issue right and the thing is that this person this theoretical person or maybe me myself if i were not willing to vote for any of these three parties it doesn't matter to me if you give me better candidates and uh, that's actually where people yeah, like no, so the new trend is that uh, people love looking at data about the mp's participation in parliament okay and it is awful like i don't give a shit if your mp went to all the debates and asked 29 questions and did so and so because if that mp wants to kill all muslims none of the shit matters and sometimes the choice is just that easy like it is so stupid people believe they're being very neutral by looking at these numbers and checking oh what how many how much attendance did my mp have yeah. like, like it doesn't matter yeah Or, because ultimately the thing is like yeah that's actually the kind of argument that this guy actually placed i mean we were discussing him earlier megna actually placed yeah. that megna actually said that he voted for gadkari because he voted for the best candidate in his area i mean like, like why would you go to the rss man is the best candidate in your area i mean bro i don't know where you live no no i mean like obviously if you can understand if he voted for gadkari which constituency is in but the point is first but the point is that you no know, if you voted for my point is that even if he's the best candidate let's just say that okay fine gadkari is the okay, guy with the best no i'm just saying yeah. let let me assume for instance that he's got the guy with the best attendance assuming he's the quote unquote best candidate did it never cross your mind that this person that you're electing he has promised his party has promised a hindu rashtra exactly did it, it never really cross your mind that if you elect this person that this person will actually contribute to that greater project like whatever his attendance is like today for instance in west bengal there's become a huge problem with two candidates that is mimi chakraborty and nusrat jahan who are basically 20 something year old actresses who have been pushed by mamata banerjee into boshirhat and into jadavpur now the thing is that i i'm saying for what is all i'm saying that this is basically an insult to be i mean like i guess i mean candidates where the parties basically slapping the voters in the face and say that saying that if we actually put in a fucking banana you are going to vote for our banana because that's us. now the thing is what is happening as a counter to this is people for instance the bjp saying that you know we have a better candidate right yeah. yeah now the thing is that yes it's a very irresponsible move on the part of the trinamool to actually nominate these candidates to begin with and basically you know your anti bjp voters will actually have to vote for these candidates who they know may not even like turn up in parliament when it is required for them to vote but at the same time you know if you were a, if you were a conscientious voter would you be still voting for the bjp against these candidates you would not mercifully people 
Jadavpur do have a very strong CPM candidate in Bigas Ranjan Bhattacharya. The thing is that at the same time, yes, you should be looking at whether the NP is good or not, but at the same time, you should also be drawing a line at the kind of politics that people represent. That line should be fascism? Like, to me, it's uh, uh, like what really bites me out of this whole debate because we are having this very involved conversation. People would be listening to this podcast and all. But ultimately, what I what I hope that the takeaway people have is that after uh, after this line you are talking about, after there is a party which has a supremacist agenda, always had a supremacist agenda, is fundamentally supremacist by its very inceptional documents, is fundamentally supremacist by its inceptional founding parents or whatever. Like you cannot vote for them. It doesn't matter how good their candidate is. It doesn't matter what they have written in their manifesto. None of it matters. Exactly. Yeah, it doesn't it, matter how many roads they build for you. It, like, you know, exactly. amazing. I, yeah, exactly. Now, I understand if you're not politically educated to know this, right? I mean, like, I know yeah. for a fact that a lot of people in West Bengal don't even know what the BJP stands for. But at the same time, if you do know, then you shouldn't be this politically irresponsible to go and say that, you know, fine. You know, well, we just vote for the fascist party because they have a quote-unquote better candidate. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely a, stupid. And especially and like an the thing that, that uh, have pushed. you know, uh, uh, and equally idiotically and making it about the manifesto. Like recently, uh, there were uh, these videos. Like Dhruvrati, he made this video where he goes and compares Congress and BJP manifesto. The BJP said superpower 2020. Now they said superpower 2040. Do you? None of these manifesto things are actually very concrete. Like it doesn't matter, you know what they say in them. Like it doesn't matter. Even if they have a good manifesto, will you vote for BJP? Like no, absolutely not. I mean, like no. I mean, like and these manifestos are actually pretty meaningless if you actually really get to it. Like if you look at the CPM manifesto today, the Indian political political class first of all does not even know what the word manifesto means. Manifesto is not supposed to be this thing which they do before every election where they write like a list of goals. That's not what a political manifesto is supposed to mean. So the kind of politics that Meghnath and all do is very lazy politics. You know why? Because they know that people think there is no alternative to Modi or to the BJP. And uh, they know that people hate the mainstream parties. Wait, wait, wait. So their answer to this is not like, okay, go and make politics better or here where politics is better. It's just, okay, well, don't focus on the parties, focus on the candidates. It's just such a cop-out and it's so harmful because you know what people are going to end up doing. Thinking they're very like uh, superior when they go out and vote for a BGP candidate because they looked at their uh, parliament attendance or whatever. Speaking of the no, points that Chandra was making this earlier. This is the sort of thing where your old bucolic sort of kulak politics of social democracy is better than this centrist asshole. Like I remember... There used to be this uh, Janta Party political slogan. Janta Party was the one which was formed against Indra Gandhi after it, right? JP and all. It was a fairly common Samajwadi slogan at that time that if you have a donkey and an Indra Gandhi uh, contesting in a in a constituency, I would rather vote for the donkey. See, it doesn't matter that Indra Gandhi is more qualified than the donkey or has a better manifesto than the donkey or whatever. <laughs> one wants to kill you, another doesn't want to kill you. Yeah, exactly. It's as simple as that. And this thing about representation, I've been wanting to say. Now, people said this this parliament that's currently, uh, what do you call it, in power, in office, whatever. So, uh, people said when it came, oh, it has the most number of women ever. And Firstly, they, they this was said by BJP supporters. We ignored that it was because of TMC, which had so many women. And secondly, the TMC is a shit party, right? Like you can't be like this representative person being like, especially with the uh, idea of women with caste. I still get it because like oh, you really have no representation. It's important no, okay. to well, have well, even representation. No, actually, I would argue that there was one debate where actually this should have played out. It was actually the triple talak debate, right? Because the thing was, all the uh, there were Muslim legislators in parliament, but there were not many Muslim women legislators. And all the Muslim women legislators were incidentally from the TMC, and there was Mehbooba Mufti at that point of time from the the PDP. 
that does and i'll give it to you that, that kind there are certain agendas where i think for instance in that issue because that issue really does concern muslim women right the triple talaq issue essentially is about muslim uh, women yeah okay there are issues that are only targeted towards certain demographics and fine you need representation for that but representation by itself being a good thing in a government that makes policies like it does in this current one and that you knew it make because they made it very clear what their agenda was ever since they started in life uh, a very simple example of, of that would be amethi right like smriti rani versus rahul gandhi would you vote for her just because she is a woman she is a member of no, a fascist no, party fuck okay okay right okay i think of representation speaking of centrist and representation do you guys remember all the hype around nirmala sitaram Oh, yeah the work that most women in this country do they don't care if your ceo is a woman if your defense minister is a woman how about the kind of politics and not actually promoted remember he did this really condescending video series about like educating oh, yes. people about oh this oh, people, you know your municipal corporation does this and this and the books <laughs> like do like, yes like, we have also read our civics books like fuck you no, man like okay okay and he's basically thinking like you know none of you actually took civic seriously and look i'm going to teach it to you all over again boss everyone knows this and it's like you know he's like and it was very interesting with the kind of things he said were kind of interesting to me he was kind of saying like, oh you know because there's a pothole in your road you're writing to prime minister modi and and like <laughs> yeah no no but here's the thing here's the thing though here's no 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 but here's the thing though if if you were in a bjp constituency right if you were in a constituency that was basically it was ruled by the it was under the control of the bjp you would actually direct your letters to the state president or the national president because yeah. these parties fundamentally work like that they yeah, don't work exactly. at the yeah, party is a very centralized thing people approach parties for these things it was written explicitly so i don't think this person read the civics book even but <laughs> thing with, yeah i mean thing with this person is that i mean there is of course like there is condescension as you have said but i think there is also a deep ignorance of the fact that actually indians are quite political and are not as and no because especially if like your like you know if the outcomes in your life depend on these government institutions you know it people in my village know it the areas we work with in delhi uh, whatever areas very low income areas they know it because they know the administration inside out they know what the yeah, council yeah, yeah, yeah. supposed to do like, what the district like, collector supposed to do They don't. They don't really care about the pothole in their road, and they're not writing. Yeah, they're never going to write to anyone. Like you know. Yeah, yeah, it's there. It's there. It's an open drain. They'll probably yeah. complain about it at the meeting. As in their RWA meeting, they might go and say, you know, that open drain. It stinks a lot. Fuck, fuck these people. That's it. But they yeah. really, what they really care about, they care about. Okay, you know what? It's going to be nice if we have a new metro line to Greater Noida. Maybe. Yeah, yeah that's. The- उट they do care about some kid getting a proper job and then tomorrow being yeah. basically just like today so it's possible to politicize the urban middle class it's possible to make it progressive hell it's possible to make it socialist but 
it's not possible to engage with them the way the meghnaths of the world engage with them or think that they're engaging with them because i don't think he's engaging with them the standard liberal understanding of politics as process right and the idea that if you just get the process right you will fix all political issues and this is the way in which they're trying to get them into politics by giving them in in a sense it's basically just this kind of cost benefit analysis right yeah. it's like okay fine uh, i mean like that's why all these talk of taxes like who really cares yeah. about income tax yeah who really cares about income tax i mean like it's not the like the working class or yeah. the peasants who actually care about of this country yeah. they just care okay income tax car prices i mean like suddenly you are having a luxury tax and the people are saying you know i don't want a luxury tax why do you not want a what's Actually, the interesting thing is a lot of people were like up in arms over the Congress propose. I mean, sorry, the CPM proposing a luxury tax, right? Yeah. Uh, the interesting thing is the EU has a luxury tax of a very high luxury tax, and that yeah, is yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, and these people want reductions in income tax. Obviously, they're supplemented by like increases in your indirect taxes, which are regressive, which uh, which yeah. means that basically yeah, yeah. They have, like they are a burden on the poorer people. and they are the on thing, uh, and the thing is for instance again you will see the opposition for instance to cert- certain indirect taxes sorry certain opposition to the cutting of certain subsidies and certain indirect raising yeah. certain indirect taxes yeah. for instance there is there is general agreement that today in uh, india for instance that if you remove the fuel subsidy you can reinvest that in certain uh, subsidies for agriculture etc yeah. right yeah. and you can actually finance the poor that way because the lpg subsidies and the petroleum subsidies that we have in india are massive and uh, the thing is that uh, the main uh, beneficiaries of these subsidies are actually the middle class they are not the poor the poor don't consume that much petrol the poor don't consume that much lpg to begin with now the thing is if you re- and whatever they consume that can be recompensated in the form of direct benefits and increased benefits to them where yeah. do you see all this talk of Like, like even in the opposition to the bjp for instance all this you know talk about fuel prices who is this targeting and you will see that this is the it is targeting the urban middle class yeah, yeah. that ultimately yeah. yeah. the agenda right now in this right now in india what is happening is that the agenda essentially is being dictated by very centrist concerns that this is this is sort of trickling down into parties which are not we should be like making some kind of like grand conclusion statements or people would be like what sort of a podcast is this why were you even talking to each other like what's the point of this episode and my grand statement is that shashi tharoor is horrible the poster boy of centrism and of expert politics oh right okay so that right. is about right this guy this this guy basically okay okay does anyone remember his agenda from 3 4 years back uh i mean yes several which one yeah which one okay 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 so this is actually something that is very interesting to what we are talking about right now this guy basically said that you know what let us have that presidential style of india oh yeah right yeah of course yeah it's like peak individualism peak individualism and it's this entire thing right it's this entire thing to actually translate that ideology of just look at the candidates and vote yeah. for them you know look at their record you know assess them one by one put a tick mark beside everything you know big tick marks and whoever gets more tick marks you know you vote for them yeah yeah That's exactly the kind of politics that he has promoted now yeah. interesting thing is that the media in its all its new quote unquote neutrality is being has been doing the same thing yeah in the sense although we don't have a presidential style of government we have a westernist system what it has been doing essentially is that it has been trying to project elections essentially as this contest between you know these two people like you know like if you look at the media channels they'll basically give you options who do you want as your prime minister modi rahul gandhi others yeah my, so others i don't know okay 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 let's not go into diversion i am very tired sorry uh, let's end this Do we want yes. to say some final thing? Will you say some things? I have nothing more to say. Okay, That's the it? thing is, I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. I know it's a like 
it's the first episode please don't stop listening to this podcast i guess we might have some more <laughs> Ah. We we'll put this on. I mean, we might be putting this on SoundCloud, so we might be getting stats from it. So, please don't disappoint us. I know we need all your support and your love and affection and. Uh, My God. Yeah. My goodness, you are being. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> you are at this point being too nice, and that's suspicious. So yeah. okay, I I do have a few. By the way, you both spoke way more than I did. I was keeping count. That's true. That's true. So, uh, uh, so dear. you dear listener i would talk over them in the next episode more and force them to make to let me speak and final conclusion and my final conclusion is that uh, this election really matters it matters because uh, the people who have a huge chance of coming back to power are people who are hurting a lot of people in a like let, let's be honest here let's be like direct here that these people are bad for most of the people who live in the subcontinent and hence yeah. anybody who says that you know everybody is bad and all parties are bad and you know what does voting has ever achieved they they are, they are either being hopelessly naive or they are being cynical and are trying to be clever basically so don't listen to them also don't listen to the experts who are telling you to be voting on your individual candidate in your area because that's not how politics works in india look at the party platform and vote accordingly don't vote for fascists regardless of what they say their party platform is because they, their platform has been historically consistent um it's consistent hope, today as well it's pretty much consistent today as well uh, i also do hope that uh, we have not alienated <laughs> of our listeners by sort of mocking pretty much everybody in the left spectrum at some point we have mocked the liberals we have mocked the woke people we have mocked the representation wallas uh, we have None even mocked the none of them the are on the left spectrum okay. okay see that's the sort of thing which drives away potential allies so uh, so uh, because yeah. i am the token conciliatory guy i i am saying all the you know i'm trying to like make certain that you all don't run off after listening to our first episode please give us feedback thank you for your patience goodbye one other thing i have to say before okay you have to say a thing after the goodbye like why <laughs> yeah. like i have to have the last word otherwise like i have like, the last so let's let's get one thing clear however you guys choose to vote or not vote at all do not vote for the bjp and the second thing is that their allies that their allies bjp yeah. sad shiv sena whatever like Yeah, AGP, no any no nda okay i mean like just stay the fuck away from the nda now the second point is that even if you don't vote etc do engage yourself in politics and i mean like just don't stay out of room disengage yourself from I it mean, understand that you as an individual are also connected to a larger society and that being a part of society means that you have certain responsibilities including political responsibilities so you know very well said yeah involve yourself in any way that you can essentially and that yeah. is not just critique yeah just just don't like write statuses on the internet and leave it at that just yeah. get involved in some minimal way at least like even at if least you want to join talk to your friends and family and try yeah. to educate them about what the government has done to the yeah, country because that's, that's, that's a big thing that's, you can do That's a lot of that's a lot, but if you don't fucking vote for the BJP, that's all. Yeah, that's all. Okay, bye. bye.